a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards, and I'm so glad you've joined us on the program today. We're going to be talking with my friend Mark Walters from Armed America Radio, Armed American Radio, about what's going on in San Jose, California, where the city has become the first in the nation to require all legal gun owners to purchase mandatory uh, insurance as well as pay a mandatory fee to the city in order to exercise your right to keep and bear arms. Yeah, it sounds awfully unconstitutional to me as well. Uh, does Mark agree? Uh, yeah, yeah, he does. I'm not even going to... Sp- There's no spoiler alert there. This is Mark Walters we're talking about. Take a look and a listen to what Mark's take on San Jose's egregious infringement on the right to keep and bear arms. Mark Walters, good to see you, sir. Thanks so much for coming to the show today. The pleasure is all mine, Cam. Thanks for having me today. I love joining you. Absolutely. I got to say, it was great being able to catch up in person uh, out in Las Vegas at the Shooting Hunting Outdoor Trade Show as well. Have you uh, have you mostly recovered? I'm in the process. Uh, I, I got a little bit of dryness going on here. No COVID, though. I got out unscathed, as did everybody we know. It's just the dry air messes with me, my sinuses and all, but I'm feeling good. You might hear me every once in a while, and I apologize in advance for that. Yeah, the same thing. I got like, you know, like one nostril that's uh, giving me trouble, but that's about it. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of trouble for gun owners, let's talk about what's going on in San Jose, California, Uh, because, you know, Tuesday night, city council approves. There were a couple of city council members who said, this might be unconstitutional. But for the most part, city council said, yeah, let's go for it. Let's let's charge people a fee to exercise their right to keep and bear arms. Let's mandate that they carry liability insurance or else we will charge them with a crime and put them in jail for a year if they don't comply. Mark, I mean, th- this this is so unconstitutional on so many different levels. I mean, not only are they requiring all legal gun owners in San Jose to pay this fee in order to lawfully possess a firearm, but the fees actually go into some like private third party group. So in order for you to exercise a constitutional right, the city of San Jose says, hey, you got to pay this third party over here or else we'll throw you in jail. Let's checkmate them right now. Cam. It's easy to do. Are the criminals having to pay the same fee? No, of course not. Which is why it's unconstitutional on so many levels, as you just pointed out. Look, I have a private insurance plan I've had for a couple of years. I have excellent insurance. It's, it's a real insurance. I have liability. Uh, they cover my business. They cover gaps in my homeowner's policy. It's a real insurance company, but I choose to have that. Nobody forces me to have that. I don't have to pay a fee to the city of Atlanta or to the county that I live in, in order to exercise my right. But let's go back to, as you and I think we talked about this when we were standing around in Vegas, uh, we have a president that no longer cares about the Constitution. And if you remember what he mandated the CDC to stop, to, to issue an order that private property owners could no longer collect rent on their own private property. That is the essence of socialism, communism, Marxism. When you start playing with private property and Biden's comments were, I know it's unconstitutional. I know it won't pass muster, but I'm going to do it anyway. This is a byproduct of what happens when you have a president that is so lawless. You embolden city councils to do things like this that they're doing in San Jose. They know that this is not going to stand muster, but they don't care. And they're going to force the taxpayers of San Jose County 
into court. It's going to cost gobs of taxpayer money before this is eventually overturned, which it will be. But in the meantime, the city, the, the law-abiding citizens in the city of San Jose are going to have to pay the price for this literally and figuratively. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, I, I think, too, I think one of the um, one of the strategies for San Jose here is, look, they, they know that they're in the Ninth Circuit, right? We just saw uh, Judge Lawrence Van Dyke uh, in that scathing uh, opinion, uh, uh, which uh, struck down the, the closure of gun stores uh, in Los Angeles and Ventura County because of these COVID orders. You know, he noted that the way it works in the Ninth Circuit is uh, these gun control laws get challenged, they get overturned, and then the Ninth Circuit hears these cases on bonk, uh, and they restore these gun control laws. The Ninth Circuit is something like 50 and 0 uh, in terms of upholding gun control laws since the Heller decision. They have never found a gun control law that violated the Constitution since Heller. So I think that the city of San Jose knows that, yeah, you're right. It's going to cost us some money. It's going to cost us some time. But until this gets to the Supreme Court, we also have a really good chance of keeping this law on the books and subjecting gun owners uh, to this uh, infringement, this egregious infringement uh, on their right to keep and bear arms. So, yeah, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, by the way, we should talk about the fact there are probably going to be multiple lawsuits Oh, yeah. Filed oh, yeah. here, right? Uh, I mean, we know that Second Amendment Foundation is going to be filing. We know FPC is going to be filing. Uh, there's going to be some others as well. But I, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful that Judge Roger Benitez or or another like-minded individual uh, gets a hold of this case and we see an injunction that that prevents this uh, law from being enforced. But I got to tell you, Mark. I mean, I've been thinking long and hard about this. If I lived in San Jose, mm-hmm. I wouldn't comply with this. I would run the risk of violating the law and and being charged with a misdemeanor offense and spending a year in jail or a thousand dollar fine, but I would not comply. There will be very little compliance with this, but you're spot on with the strategy. That is exactly what they're, San Jose knows exactly what you just said. They know they may get a single judge that may issue an injunction. They know in an en banc hearing, it's going to be overturned. They know, and then the key here is what you just said. Then when it gets to the Supreme Court, Second Amendment Foundation's already got the artillery lined up in the battlefield. They're ready to go in conjunction with the FPC. We know that's going to happen. But the risk is, and San Jose knows this, will the Supreme Court ever take this case? They know it's going to wind up, it, they, it, it's likely not going to get cert in a, in a conference at Supreme Court, and San Jose knows this. So this is where it comes right down to compliance. And as you and I have talked over the years, as long as the Democrats continue to push these agendas, Decent, hardworking, law-abiding Americans, I've said for years, are going to be forced to make decisions that they never thought they would have to make in their lifetimes as law-abiding, tax-paying, decent, hardworking, business-owning Americans. And people would say to me, well, what are you implying with that? I said, I don't know. I'll tell you when we get there. We're here. In San Jose's case, we're here. This is what it looks like to San Jose residents. In New Jersey, it's magazine ban compliances. In Connecticut, it's registration of assault weapon compliances. In Illinois, it's the same thing. In Maryland, it's the same thing. Do I get rid of my guns? Do I comply with this? It's, it's an individual location creates these problems that forces their hardworking citizens to make a decision they never thought they'd have to make. For God's sakes, I'm a legal gun owner. Now I'm being forced to comply with these measures. And you're right. I don't think we'll ever know what the non-compliance rate is because nobody's going to want to talk about it, but it's going to be substantial. And where are the teeth? Just like when Connecticut after Newtown issued their registration scheme, what do we have? 50 people register their long guns? Yeah. So my, oh, yeah. my, 
sure my threat to them is, well, then go ahead, come and take us, put us in jail. They never act on this. It's nothing for, it's nothing but show. But the sad part about this, Cam, is we have a subset of Americans that love this. You have the Brady campaign that is pushing this in San Jose, blatantly outright supporting this. They've never met a measure that infringes on law-abiding Americans' rights that they haven't fully embraced and wanted to make love to. And this is just another example of that. Every single left-wing organization embraces this type of mandate. And we're seeing that word now creep into the lexicon since COVID. Now it's a mandate. Where did that come from? It came from COVID. So you're seeing how all of this ties together, brother. It is very, very scary. It, it is. And it, here's the thing, too. I mean, you talk about, you know, the what happens in Connecticut and what happens in San Jose and all these, you know, different localities with their own little tweaks. But but these things don't stay local. Right. I mean, the Brady campaign, they're looking at what's going on in San Jose. And if they believe that, all right, you know, we can do this in San Francisco, Sunnyvale, San Diego, Los Angeles, they will do that. They will introduce legislation in Sacramento. Uh, we're seeing in uh, we, I just covered this uh, uh, yesterday on Cam and Company. You got the state senator in Georgia who's introduced a bill. Look, it's not going anywhere. It's Georgia. But she's introduced a bill, mandatory training before you can own a firearm. Now, that that's also been introduced in the state of Delaware. I think it's going to be introduced in other blue states. I think this is the re, this is the reaction, Mark, to the right to carry revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to see these gun control advocates say, fine. Uh, you, well, you got to have shall issue concealed carry laws. Well, you know what? We're going to have uh, a shall issue, maybe even may issue uh, gun licensing laws to own a farm. We're going to put another barrier between you and your rights because you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Here we are more than a decade after Heller and this small cohort of Americans is still standing in yeah. between the American people and their right to keep and bear arms because they don't recognize it as a real right. They don't want to treat it as a real right. They, they hate the fact that it's in our constitution. They would love to erase it uh, if they could, but since they can't, they're just going to try to ignore it as best they can. Uh, and that's why it is up to us as gun owners and segment activists to, to not let them get away with it, to be engaged, to be involved, to support these organizations, to get out and vote in every election, whether it's federal, state, and local. But you know, when we sit on the sidelines, when we lose, but when we get engaged, that's where we win. I, I, look, I'm living proof of that. I live in Virginia. Yeah. We just swept statewide elections because gun owners did not stay home. We were pissed off about the push for gun control in 2019. We didn't forget. And the first opportunity we had to go cast a vote, man, we marched to the polls and we voted out the uh, the Democrats who would try to take our rights away. You a really interesting dichotomy here. You're in Virginia. I'm in Georgia. OK, if you had asked me. 15 weeks ago, where Georgia was relative to constitutional carry or moving any pro-gun legislation, I'd have told you, I'd thrown my hands up and said, four years of Kemp, who ran the most pro-gun gubernatorial campaign in the history of this country. You know, the left was accusing him, they're still accusing him, pointing guns at his soon-to-be son-in-law, all the nonsense, threatening his life, all this nonsense. And here we are today, because he's being primaried, by a Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump endorsed candidate, David Perdue, who right now is home with COVID recovering, by the way. And David Perdue makes constitutional carry the issue. Brian Kemp is now screaming for constitutional carry, which he didn't do over the last four years because he was afraid of being called a racist by Stacey Abrams. I mean, we could go down rabbit hole after rabbit hole. But now, all of a sudden, just like in Virginia, both of them, every single Republican candidate, let's not discount Vern Jones, the Democrat flip Republican. I love Vern Jones. 
So you've got these three involved in the primary now as we come up in, uh, to, the, to the midterms and the governor's race here in 2022. And all of a sudden, the gun vote is absolutely critical to every single one of these candidates. They're now moving. Now, we've got about seven different pro-gun bills from the National Rifle Association. I think we've got Safari Club. We've got Georgia Carey. We've got others. We're going to see a lot of really good pro-gun things happen in Georgia now because of this election. And Kemp knowing that if he wants to survive the primaries, he's got to have the gun vote. That points to how important the gun vote is. And then I take it right to Virginia, where it was carried to its conclusion, where you finally wiped out that hideous blue disease that you suffered under in a state that is near and dear to me. I graduated college in Radford. I lived in Richmond, Radford, Virginia Beach. My sister lives in Northern Virginia. I have tons of friends there. The state, I hold it. So here we sit and, and look at where we are today. The gun vote, so vital and so important and the left knows it which is why they continue to throw these nonsense bills out, like you mentioned in Georgia. We see this nonsense cam every year. You get the good Democrat that throws the, you know, this draconian measure. I remember going back to Florida a number of years ago. I forget what her name was in Duval County in Jacksonville, requiring you to take anger management classes to buy ammo and then re-upping your certificate every five years. They actually, and the left takes this serious. The Brady campaign embraces it. Moms Demand Action embraces it. They go nowhere. But what it is, Cam, is it's evidence that these people will never stop. Yep. They will. And when you think they've gotten as low as they can go, they go lower. It is amazing how far down they can dig. But God bless you in Virginia. We're confident. You know, when people say, I want people to understand, Georgia is not a blue state. The Republicans own the state house. We just got done redistricting. You're not going to see a blue legislature in this state more than likely in my lifetime. It would have to be some type of takeover or massive sea change. That's not going to happen. Once we get rid of Raphael Warnock, which was a fluke, you know, you've got Herschel Walker running against him. Georgia's a red state. Stacey Abrams, oh, I don't want to discount this, is a real threat here. She's a very real threat because of the coalition that she's been building with tons of money over the previous four years, which is why Kemp remained silent during the Trump campaign, because he knew what she was doing. We knew what she was doing as residents here. And he was afraid of being called a racist for calling her out. So he stayed zipped. Well, those days are over, and the threat that she poses to this state is very, very real. So I don't want people to get complacent. I don't want there to be any apathy out there. I, we've got to stay on our toes because of everything that we're talking about. I think we just showed how, full, this, how this comes full circle. Absolutely. Mark Walters, Armed America Radio. It is always good getting a chance to check in with you, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Pleasure, Cam. Thanks very much. It was great seeing you. Shot. Glad you stayed healthy, brother. Talk soon. You bet, brother. Talk to you soon. And I do appreciate Mr. Walters joining us on the program. We'll be uh, having him back again before long. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. Uh, I, I don't know if this guy has a lengthy criminal history, but uh, sure to get a slap on the wrist here. Albuquerque man who shot a driver during road rage incident, sentenced to jail time. Yeah, this actually happened back in 2019, Valentine's Day 2019, so almost three years ago. Uh, Onisha Herrera and her boyfriend Stephen Lovato were driving an I-25 in Albuquerque. Uh, they were weaving in and out of traffic. They cut off a driver who then flipped off the couple, which is when Stephen Lovato then pulled out his gun and shot that driver, hitting him in both legs. Uh, a few days later, a tip led police to the couple. 
Uh, in February of 2020, so almost two years ago, Lovato pleaded guilty to aggravated battery with a deadly weapon and conspiracy. He's been in jail ever since. Uh, he was awaiting sentencing. And on Tuesday, that sentencing took place. Prosecutors asked for a full five-year prison sentence, saying that the victim in this case had suffered feeling uh, loss of feeling in his legs for more than six months, had to learn to walk again, suffers from PTSD, lost his job. Again, there were life-changing consequences for the victim of this crime. But what about for the perpetrator of this crime? Well, Lovato's defense attorney said, look, uh, you know, they were, they were, they were speeding because they were trying to get to the hospital. They, they thought that Herrera was having a miscarriage. I don't know why she'd be driving. If she were the one supposedly suffering from a miscarriage, I don't know why the boyfriend wasn't behind the wheel of the car, but whatever. They thought she was suffering from a miscarriage. And uh, he said, quote, it's a very stupid thing to do. They had no business being with a gun in the car. But nevertheless, this is not a situation of somebody flipping off and out of anger. The gun came out. I think basically the attorney said my client was dealing with these stress of believing his girlfriend was suffering from a miscarriage. Which is a stressful situation. Doesn't give I I don't know how that I don't know how that results in shooting somebody that flipped you off after you cut them off in traffic. I I, I don't. I don't I don't know how those two things actually go together. Well the uh, judge in this case, Brett Lovelace, said uh he does believe that Lovato will do well on probation, but he said there needs to be more punishment. He said this wasn't just something that happened and it's just one little isolated act and therefore all good. Don't look at that at all. So the judge sentenced Lovato to three years with time served. And that means that Lovato will likely be out in about six months. Not the full five years. Six more months. The judge said, I want to reiterate how lucky you are that you're not facing a first-degree murder charge, which carries a penalty of life imprisonment. Yeah, he is lucky. But he's also lucky because the judge cut him a break here. And instead of five years behind bars, they'll probably end up doing less than two. Excuse me, less than three. Sentenced to three, time off for good behavior, time served, out in just a few more months. All right, today's Armed citizen story from Reno, Nevada where police say an intruder was killed over the weekend in an act of self-defense. happened Saturday night around 9.40 p.m. near uh, Idlewild Park in Reno, Nevada. Police say uh, the homeowner did report having shot an intruder. When officers arrived, they found a man uh, dead from a gunshot wound. They also found the homeowner there, along with another witness. Uh, Neighbors described the area as quiet. They said they were surprised to hear that this had happened. Uh, Adam Thompson says everybody here usually has each other's backs. It's a very communal neighborhood. Uh, police say homeowner of this incident is cooperating with the investigation. They said at this time an arrest will not be made as this appears to be in defense of himself. Uh, Joe Malfa, who's lived in the area for more than 40 years, said, uh, you know, look, in some cases you just got to do what you got to do to survive. And I think in this case, maybe the homeowner had to do that. Well, it certainly sounds that way. We'll uh, keep our eyes out for any updates and bring them to you as they become available. Finally today, our good deed of the day from Los Angeles, California, where a uh, LAPD sergeant in the right place at the right time wasn't able to do the right thing to help save a baby that was choking, uh, all caught on the uh, officer's body camera. This was uh, Wednesday, uh, around uh, last Wednesday. It was about a week ago, I guess, around 5.45 p.m. uh, in uh, Echo Park. The uh, footage was released uh, Monday afternoon. 
shows a father begging for help, running towards the police sergeant as he holds his unconscious child, saying, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. Sergeant uh, calls dispatch. They're trying to get an ambulance there for the baby girl. And then he starts working to clear the infant's airway. Uh, He's patting the child on the back, performing infant CPR. And that's when the girl draws a breath. Yeah. According to the LAPD, the sergeant found, quote, a choking hazard. Uh, Inside the child's airway, he was able to perform a finger sweep and back thrust to help her breathe again. Child regained consciousness, taken to a local hospital, reported to be just fine. The name of the sergeant has not been made public, but uh, whoever that uh, anonymous sergeant with the L.A. Police Department is, we thank you for your very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Don't forget to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day for even more of the Second Amendment news and information you need to know about. If you like what you see, you can always take it one step further, become a VIP subscriber. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. You can use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and get a significant savings on your VIP membership, which will give you exclusive news stories, analysis, content you won't get anywhere else. Uh, but you will also be supporting the independent pro-Second Amendment journalism that we do here at Bearing Arms and Bearing Arms Cam and Company. And again, we do thank you for your support. We'll see you back here tomorrow with another edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. But until then, be well, be safe, and be free. 